You're listening to the Project Horse Podcast. Horse training tips, Q&A, and horse business commentary from Jake and Luke of Lundahl Performance. New episodes go live every Friday with extras content throughout the week. To submit a training topic or question, hit us up on Facebook or email lundahlperformance at gmail.com. Thank you for listening and enjoy the show. Joining us for episode number 11 of the Lundahl Performance Project Horse Podcast. I'm Jake Lundahl here with my brother Luke. Today we're going to be breaking down a couple different topics. We're going to continue our Advanced Horsemanship 101 series that we started in the two previous episodes. We're going to do part number three of that. We're going to revisit my cow horse rant uh, from the last episode and kind of touch base there and talk about our thoughts and, and different exercises and ideas for getting a horse to just use their hind end more be more conscious of balance and just use themselves more efficiently when stopping. Even if we're not sliding these horses, even if they're not performance horses, they can at least learn to use their hindquarters and stop a little bit better. But before we touch on that, we're going to talk about an issue that was brought up by a lady I was interacting with uh, just via email. She had some questions for me and she ended up sending me a video uh, to critique of her writing, and it brought up a couple points that I wanted to share in this podcast, just about riding with confidence, developing a little bit more control in your horse, and what types of exercises are going to make you a better rider. Because, you know, to to bring up a phrase we used last time, we see a lot of chicken feed being given to novice riders about, well, you just need time in the saddle. You just need loping you know you just need hours you know kind of like flight hours or something to develop a pilot you just need to be in the saddle and certainly there's truth to that you've got to develop some balance you've got to develop an independent seat etc but what we often see in our clients is that there's a little bit of a disconnect they can they can get in the saddle and they can lope and do all these other things but they don't really have the confidence to use their arms use their legs use themselves in a dynamic way and really get control of their horses. They're just kind of perpetual passengers, just kind of letting the horse amble around. And that's one thing I pointed out to this lady uh, in the video she sent me is that her horse was loping around calm and relaxed, but it wasn't really mentally engaged. And whenever she would do a transition or pick up on him in some way, whether flexing, bending, whatever, she just wasn't really getting a lot done. She just really wasn't taking a hold of him in any meaningful way. And in fact, that's the kind of things that you need to do in order to get better as a rider, to to challenge yourself a little bit, to have that dexterity and that feel and timing. If you're just sitting up there like a closed pocket knife, just as a passenger, you're never going to get any better. Right. Well, like you said earlier about just putting in seat time and miles, I mean... I've I've flown a lot on an airplane. I've put a lot of seat time in. And yeah, you get something out of it initially. Like, you know, you're not bothered by the process of the taking off or the turbulence or stuff like that. You're used to long flights and sitting in the tiny cramped chair. Like you, you know, you become seasoned in that respect. But I'm not a pilot. I just can sit my butt down in, in the, you know, the seat at the back of the plane and ride it out. Like that's all the farther it's gotten. It was useful to a point. 
But if I want to learn how to fly a plane, that's going to do no good. You have to do things that engage you and push you outside your comfort zone. So if I was going to be a pilot, I need to start going and learning all the all the call signs, what it takes going into the pre-flight check, how to handle certain situations that come up throughout a flight, how to land this thing, how to even just take off. You know, every, there's so many other components involved, and it's the same thing with the riding. Like there's to a point where you have to go and push yourself outside your comfort zone and do something that engages you as a rider. Because when you can give yourself a task to do under saddle, you spend a lot less time worrying about how you're just going to stay on the horse physically. And you can focus on what you're actually doing and what the horse needs to be doing. Like you need to shift your focus. What If I'm always just worried about stay on, stay on, stay on, stay on. Oh, left turn, stay on, stay on, stay on, you know. And you just, you're just letting the horse go wherever and you're, and you're just focused on holding on. That works to a point, but at some point you need to, if you're going to get better, you need to shift your focus from stay on to, okay, we need to go do this job. We need to go here and we need to do that. This horse needs to, to do this. It's not doing this. I need to do that. And if you push yourself over to that and you adjust your mindset, yeah, it's going to be pretty uncomfortable initially. But that's that's natural. That's necessary. No one has ever, you know, circumvented that, or you know, they've never gotten around that. There's no easy way to become confident. You have to go and then give yourself a job to do. And when you can then focus on that job, you'll have time to be worrying about staying on the horse, and mm-hmm. it almost just becomes second nature. Yeah. Well, we get asked a lot, and I think this is a common question that a lot of clinicians and trainers get: is you've got a client that doesn't feel very confident up there. Or maybe they're they're more of a of a novice rider. They're just learning the basics, etc. And they ask, "Well, how do I build my confidence?" And and somebody said uh, a while ago, and I've I've never forgotten this: that confidence, that confidence game is really all about control. How much control you have of a horse. Get more control, you will be a more confident rider. It's just a natural byproduct. Um, and how do you get more control? Well, as you just alluded to, you need to start learning to ride with a purpose and push yourself to do more steering exercises, more transitions uh, at the lope, because it'll teach you a lot about how the horse responds. It'll expose a lot of areas where you've been kind of fake and just kind of cruising and meandering around. And then when you go to do a dramatic transition out of a lope, yield to a stop, a bending transition, you start doing, you know, a post to post transitions exercises where you're trying to lope the horse off on a straight line and you realize that they're warbling and weaving you know all over and they're not able to even track on a straight line or when you go to pick them up instead of coming back to you soft they're pitching everything over on the front end and stiffening up you know that's that's all the type of stuff that comes out when people start doing more with their horses and trying to get the horses more engaged and they don't like that they, it feels out of control. It feels uncomfortable. Right. And that's the natural tendency. That's what's going to happen. It's easy for us to sit here and say, go do something. Like, stop just letting it just meander around and go put it to the test and, and go give it a job. That's easy to say, but that's hard to apply. And that's what stops a lot of people. And that's why we run into so many people. That, well, I have confidence issues. What do I do? What do I do? It's hard. Like there's, it's going to be uncomfortable. There's going to be times where you're just saved by grabbing the horn at times because you had both hands on the reins. Like that's just part of it. It's not going to be easy, but there's no way around that at all. Yeah. And, you, and now I mean, it's, again, it's I have to say that 
this has to do as well with having a horse that's going to set you up for success. Like we had a horse um, one time that came to a clinic that was a Tennessee Walker. This thing was, I don't even know how to describe it. This thing had legs like a giraffe. The thing was was just taller than all get out. You about brush your head on the top of the indoor arena and long, longer than like a locomotive uh, with a couple hundred cars of coal. This thing was just gangly, tall, long. It, it was the weirdest combination of creatures I'd ever seen. And it was like riding a mad serpent. It was everywhere. It was ducking and diving, um, weaving. It, it could lope and just all of a sudden just reverse directions. It never turned. It never stopped. It was just all of a sudden going the other direction. It was, it was incredible. And so this person that was riding the horse, they came because they needed confidence to ride their horse. And in that situation, you can't say either go and do something. You can't say, well, well, you need a job. You need to put this thing to the test. And you also can't say that you need to just have seat time, let this thing go and just sit on it. Because both situations, one, it was incredibly hard even for me as the rider to go and give this thing a job and try and get it lined out, which is really what this thing needed. It needed someone to actually like go and point to point and jog some circles and break it down but get this thing going straight because turning it left and right, it was actually dangerous. The thing didn't care about where it set its feet or where it went. So it would run into fences. It would run into other horses in the clinic. It would trip and fall because it would turn so sharply and so tightly because it was so uncoordinated. So neither one of those options were going to suit her. And so for that rider, yeah, you have no confidence. I mean, it tests even, even like a rider like myself, it tests your confidence. He's like, man, I've got this like, you know, demonic animal underneath of me that I need to get control of. And so you need to have the right horse that's going to help you get the job done. That's, you know, and there are a lot of times that we see it where just the animal that you have, that horse you have, that's the reason you have no confidence. So sometimes people need to be aware of that and go, okay, is this horse really a good fit for me? Or am I just being way too over emotional about my decision-making and I need to, you know, send this off for extra training or get rid of it and get something a lot better that's actually going to take care of me and help me get the job done. Yeah. I think that's a good angle as well. You know, not, not to downplay the fact that you can build your own confidence, especially if you have the right horse that as soon as you do a little bit more, you're doing some clover leaf loping exercises, you're doing rollbacks, you're doing yield and bend and all this stuff. And you're forcing yourself to use your legs, use your hands more you can definitely build your confidence there. But if you have a horse that is just almost untrainable, just horribly minded and badly built, you're not going to go anywhere. But you you know, you know, need some, some sort of middle ground. I've, I've heard a lot of trainers talk about this. It's kind of the analogy of how do you get a young kid confident to drive and sit behind the wheel? Uh, you know, people say, well, you know, you don't take them on some washboardy old trail and and, you know, places where they're going to get stuck and slide off the road because of the mud and there's rocks in the way. You don't go there in a Toyota Prius, but you also don't take the car out on six lanes of rush hour traffic as the kid's first driving lesson. And I would say it, you know, my own analogy for that is you don't put someone in a race car and put them out on the track at Daytona and say, all right, go 200 miles an hour. You also don't give them some rusted out old clunker that's dangerous to even 
be in and drive, that the gas tank might catch on fire any minute, the wheel bearing might fall off, you know, the engine might just fall right out from underneath you and and uh, blow up the thing, you know, and, and it has no airbags, it has no seat belts. You don't drive that piece of crap either. Like, there's got to be a middle ground where you get like a Ford Taurus or something that's reliable, uh, but it's not flashy. It's just a good thing to learn on that's safer, you know. And um, in this in this lady's case, I didn't think her horse was a bad horse. It was just kind of, it was a horse that's quiet, but just really hasn't been trained on enough. It doesn't really know what to do. It's just kind of going around. It doesn't have any purpose to what it's doing. So the horse is lost. The lady's not really taking control. And so it's like blind leading the blind. They're both kind of just lost and wandering a little bit out there. Uh, but you're right. We see so many people that get set up with the wrong car, so to speak. They, they have this old junker that's dangerous and shouldn't even be on the road. And they're trying to make that their project, their long-term project to develop. And I've always wondered, like, why people... It, it's funny. So many people we meet, it's because they're having problems with a horse that they've already bought. And it's always some convoluted story of how they got, how they got saddled with this damn thing. They never go to the professionals first and saying, you know, I need help finding a horse. I need some guidance on what's going to be good for me, etc., they go to the professionals after the fact and uh, and when they're already having problems. It's like going to the mechanic when your Hyundai Tiburon is already almost decomposed because it's so rusty. I don't have anything to add to that. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, that's just what I'm saying, you know. Like, uh, we got to be kind of uh, proactive here. Um, so... Anyways, in summation, though, getting back to my main point, um, with, you know, as far as riding with confidence, it's a two-part equation. And one thing we try to do with our clients, obviously, is deter them from the rusted-out clunkers that aren't going to do them any, any favors whatsoever. We also try to dissuade their ambitions to go get a race car or, you know, somebody comes to us and says hey, I want to buy a mule. You know, that'd be like somebody who doesn't have a CDL going and buying a semi. It's like, no, don't buy the draft mule. Please just buy the quarter horse that's safe and plain that you can learn on. But when you are riding, you know, don't discount these other exercises. You know, people, this is, I guess, my main point and the thing I'll finish up on, and then you can add comments if you like, Luke, is the fact that people look at exercises like, yield to a stop, uh, the post-to-post, transitions, the cigar exercises we've talked about before, the clover leaves, you know, all that stuff. They look at it, they only, they only turn their attention to those exercises as tools to fix something when their horse is having a perceived problem. They never look at that, uh, that exercise with the mindset of, no, this is going to develop my confidence because it's going to make me take some control, engage myself, ride with some purpose, and it's going to get my horse doing something with a purpose as well. Yes, exactly. I think, you know, it really comes, if you have confidence issues with what you're doing with your horse, I think your, your first question you need to ask yourself being realistic, 100% realistic. And if you can't trust yourself, if you already made a, you know, emotional decision just buying this thing in the first place and you know you have a track record of you, that. You bought the draft-gated mule. Right. You so know. you go go and get somebody 
maybe even someone that doesn't even know anything about horses. Just go get someone whose opinion you can trust and they'll be honest with you and say, okay, is the reason I don't have confidence or the reason I have confidence issues, is it because of the horse? And if it is, then you need to decide, okay, is this horse too much for me to handle or is it worth getting this, you know, seeking professional help and having this horse trained? And those are really your two options. I mean, you could say, well, we're going to grow together and, you know, we're going to become one as a team and I don't know anything. This horse doesn't know anything, but we'll learn together. Well, yeah, you'll learn, you'll grow together and you'll die together as well. So you have to ask, okay, is this horse worth worth putting in the, the investing the time and money or not? And then if you've decided that it is the horse that's really the root cause of your confidence issues, which a lot of the times it is, you can, you can be nervous and unconfident as a rider, but you can have a horse will make you a confident rider. If they're, if they know their job, if you're nervous and cause all of us are nervous in the beginning when we start riding, it's really the horse that sets us up either positively or negatively. So the horse can absolutely wreck your confidence. And if it's not the horse, and you and it's really more so you then you need to push yourself outside the comfort zone get comfortable being uncomfortable and go out there and rather than just focusing on hanging on and surviving the situation rather than that focus on what you're going to do for that day give yourself a goal go do some exercises and let the progression of focusing on a job and focusing on training your horse fix the problem of just staying on the horse. And if you engage yourself in your work and give yourself a job, you can move away from only focusing on trying to hang on. All right, for our next segment, which is part three of our Advanced Horsemanship 101 series of podcast segments, I want to touch briefly on my uh, my rant, my cow horse rant that I kind of went on in the second part of our, our last episode. Um, because it ties into what we're talking about here, which is even if you don't have a horse, if, even if you have a horse, that's not a show horse, they can at least make a little bit more of an effort to stop with their hind end, stop a little bit more smooth, be balanced, not pitching everything over on the front end so much and always stopping on the front end and just not having a good stop in general. And one of the things that, that got me riled up about the cow horse video I was referencing is this idea that with a young horse, we're just going to go down the fence, pull the direct rein out of the blue, and just let everything pitch over in front and crash to the outside. You know, the, the rib cage is flying to the outside the opposite way you're bending the nose as all the horse's weight is just pitching over on the front end. And this is something that we get questions a lot as well, is that, you know, my rope horse, my stock horse, whatever... Uh, doesn't have a good stop. They'll stop on a dime, but it's always with their front feet locked up, just jamming them into the ground and power slamming my crotch into the horn every time. You know, how do I get this to stop? And so we're going to break down uh, some of our ideas on that. Um, one thing we mentioned at the clinic and stressed a lot is the fact that to have a good stop, backing is probably one of the most important things you need to do, especially with a young horse. And that's an area, that's one of the few areas where lots of groundwork with that maneuver is actually going to translate well to the saddle. You know, another example would be yielding the four quarters. Um, but backing is another one and probably the most important groundwork exercise you can do 
just to create mental habits of the horse needing to back up, use their hindquarters, balance with that hind end, develop a little bit of, of just strength and, and ability there, um, and just be in a mental habit of when I go to take a hold of you and draw you to a stop, you need to get ready because I'm going to back you up. You right. Know? And I think that's a, va- a very valuable point that isn't really stressed enough is that, you know, the backing literally is the foundation of your stop. Mm-hmm. So if you're having problems, like we see this all the time, someone will have a horse that they're really struggling to stop and we go and we're like, okay, well, well, we'll, we'll address that in time, you know, but for the sake of the clinic, you know, we'll work on it maybe afterwards or something like that. And so we have a group deal where we have everyone back up and that horse can barely back up or it's either has no cadence and it's just scrambling backwards or it's, you know, acts like it has cement blocks for feet and mm-hmm. it's just dragging itself backwards or tries to lay down or, you know, what they have no foundation there. But at the same time, I will mention as well, because this is something we've seen too, where someone will say, or we'll hear a good example of this is when we went down to, um, uh, was it New Mexico, I think, for this little filming deal years ago. And there was a bunch of like old school, I mean, not old school in the fact of like the way they ride, but they were young guys yeah. about our age. They were a bunch of Oklahoma cowboys. Yeah. And they were running their horses down and stopping them just for fun yeah. and hooping and hollering. But the foundation of the stop was say whoa and pull. And if that horse doesn't take that super seriously, back them up super aggressively, like as a punishment. Mm-hmm. Your, your stop cannot be, well, when I say whoa and pull, if you don't stop, I'm going to back you up more aggressively each time. Like you can't scare a horse into stopping by making the backup more and more aggressively. The the better a horse backs up as a maneuver and an exercise will make your stops so much better. It, it's, you know, you can't even really quantify how much better it makes them, but the a backup is not how you're going to get a horse to stop or make them stop. We see that all the time where we teach a stop by say whoa running backwards, say, whoa, running back harder. Yeah. Say, whoa, even more aggressive backup. You know, you can't, the backup is going to make your stops better teaching the horse to use his hind end and get back with control, but you can't teach a horse to stop well and correctly by going forward, 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 now back, now get back. Yeah. No, I I think that's a really strong point before we move on. I want to double down on that, which is the, the fact that you know, if a horse runs through the bridle or whatever, you know, a lot of, or just if you watch trainers schooling on their horses, you'll see them at various times, they'll be backing the horse up aggressively. They'll have him bridled up, etc. Um, and we don't think it's, it's very useful to punish a poor stop by aggressively just ripping the horse back. Now there are, there are times when that's justified, like when the the, horse knows what they're doing. Yes. And it's it's broke. It knows the rules and all the backing we do that starts even early on when we're creating a habit of when I stop, I'm going to back you up at least a few steps. And we we're we're getting progressively more demanding about how well that happens. You know, we're not going to accept a horse with his back hollowed out and his head up in there like a giraffe and just uh just trudging backward dragging his legs like they're made of concrete no we're going to up the pressure up the intensity until he does what we know he can do which is engage his hind end more round out his back 
and get back with some cadence and some hustle. Like those are all important things to develop for sure, but it's not the complete equation either. No, no, you can't have a stop. It literally just means that they start backing up at the lope. Yes. Like that's not a stop. And yes, like, like you mentioned there, a more advanced horse, you know, one that knows its job and has had a lot of practice and been taught what to do, and then they just get real lazy or they don't try on a stop. Yes, backing a horse up is justified there. That is a practical means to reinforce to that horse. You need to think, get back with some urgency. Mm-hmm. But you can't start, you can't teach a horse to stop by just using the backup. You'll get them to stop, yes, but the way they stop, you've, you'll, you're setting them up to do it poorly and you know you're setting them up long term to not do it well yeah. or you're or you're setting it up their first experience with the stop will be one of high intensity high energy and they will associate it with negative reactions on your part and so the maneuver itself will not be a place of where they can be relaxed well one thing i wanted to touch on before we really get down to nuts and bolts is the fact that we've mentioned this in other podcasts too. And I use that, that story of mine where I'm talking about that horse that was really hot, nervous and stiff and, and just not relaxed about being stopped at all. Now, in this case, this was a show horse who theoretically should know when I go to pull him into the ground, he should be able to stop, you know, or stop with some smoothness, uh, be able to break over in the front end and slide. You know, he, he, he had more than enough talent to do that, but he was so tense and shocky that as soon as you took a hold of him, he was super bracy. And that's another area where, yes, you've got to work on the basics of the stop. Yes, backing is an extremely important thing for several reasons, especially creating good mental habits. But those transitions and just getting a horse to be relaxed about being taken a hold of, that's another component. We see so many people that and this was at the clinic as well, when we started doing a lot of transitions, especially out of the lope, it didn't matter if they were going to stop or just bend the horse around. When they went to touch that thing's face, it immediately braced up and jammed its front feet into the ground, and it was rough and out of control, and the horse's head was automatically flipping up in the air. To get one to stop well, that can't be happening. So that's that's things that you need to work on that aren't necessarily corrected by just running and stopping a horse more and more. Like that's that just goes into your lack of foundation or that hole there. Um, but one thing we did at the clinic as well, and I guess this would be the, the way to make it the most relatable, uh, especially to people who are familiar with the programs that we've been exposed to, is a common thing to do with young horses that's kind of a not a shortcut, but very effective for developing control would be rollbacks on the fence. You know, the basic, the basic idea of it is you lope a circle in front of a section of fence and you come up to the fence at a 45 degree angle. You say, whoa, you draw the outside rein and bring the horse's front end through the turn and lope off the other way, lope another circle and rinse and repeat. And, you know, we, we've been thinking about that exercise more and more because Yes, that's effective and, in fact, necessary for young horses in the initial stages. But it also, if you do it too much and try to take that too far, it creates bad habits. Just like, you know, too much of the lateral flexion for too long, you know. Um, Now, we hesitate to say that because most people, 9 out of 10, don't do enough. But we have seen horses that people, they've been doing rollbacks till the cows come home. 
And this horse has terrible habits of when you come up to that fence or that spot where you're going to roll them back, the horse doesn't really sit down with its hind end. It doesn't really stay collected at all. It's just kind of letting you drag it by the nose to the outside of the turn. And everything's falling and crashing forward into the outside. It's pitching all of its weight over on the front end. The shoulders are lagging to come through. The rib cage is bowed out. It's just warbling around like a toy train set going around a tight U-bend. And it's not really stopping with any straightness or collection, not using its hind end at all. It's not really picking itself up and coming through that turn. It's just kind of screaming in there and then worming its way out. And so one thing we did at the clinic was we kind of modified that concept a little bit on the fence where first at the trot and then at the lope later, once the horses knew what was going on, we just had them trot parallel down the fence and practice basically sitting down in the saddle, not just leaning back, but relaxing their seat, releasing their feet and legs and saying, whoa, and just going to draw the reins just a little bit, just to the, to the point of initially making contact, but not, not getting aggressively, just seeing how little rein contact we could use. Well, really just not so much even pulling, but just as you're going down the fence, your fingers are just kind of relaxed and open, yeah. just closing your fingers. Just like that's yes. all the pressure that it should take. Just, just closing your fingers and, and just kind of being there, not yeah. even, not even really taking a hold of the horse's mouth. But cueing for that stop and seeing what happens. And, of course, most of the horses initially wanted to ramble on through and not respect that cue and not stop with any sense of urgency. Or if they did stop, it was the lazy fall over onto mm-hmm. the front end type of a stop. And so what do you really need to do in that situation? Well, you need to break the shoulders, the front end loose. You need to teach that horse to think about getting their weight off of that front end. And that's where we taught them to, when that happened, if the horse ran through or just didn't stop very well, pull them around. Right. And pull them around, we mean take them like into a turnaround, really. Yes. Not not like an actual spin where their head is straight, but where you're almost turning them on your foot. Yeah. Where you've got their head bent around, so you're breaking them loose there because, again, they're going to be stiff and resistant in the face. So you're, you're bending their head around to take away that leverage. But you're taking them into a spin. You're getting that those front feet engaged, but you're using a spin to teach that horse. Yes, when I say whoa, I want you to think turn and go the other way, which in, which is basically a rollback. But I need to teach this horse that that all connects with your hind end. So we're taking them into a turnaround to engage that hind end. Like a lot of people will say, well, use a rollback, and if they get stiff on their front end, well then just bend them like roll them back into the fence and then take them into a bend. That works if you're trying to get a horse to just kind of melt in a transition. Like if, I, if I'm if i just uh, going like from place to place and circling around like a tree or a cone or whatever, and I've got a horse that's real stiff and bracy with his front end, I could use a rollback like that to kind of catch him as he jams his front end in the ground to turn and go the other way and just kind of break everything loose and get it to flow. But I'm also not teaching that horse how to use his hind end. And if anything... Um, all I, all I'm really doing is just trying to loosen up his rib cage, but that's as far as it goes. I'm not actually addressing a stop in that situation. I'm just kind of temporarily putting a bandaid 
on the problem that I'm having in the rollback or yeah. a horse is real quick when well, you take him. If you just, and so basically the, the idea of the exercise is go down the rail, cue for that stop as lightly and subtly as possible. The horse doesn't respect it. Basically roll him back into the fence, but roll him into a turnaround right. in which you have the horse's head bent around. So if we're heading down the rail with the rail on our right, I'm going to bend the horse's head around to the right and, and turn him around right. And yeah, you're, you're correct in the sense that if I were to just kind of lazily, you know, do a, a bending rollback where I just kind of turn him into the fence and bend him up out of it, that just takes the hindquarters completely out of the picture. It doesn't, it doesn't make him think about, okay, I need to actually sit back on my haunches uh, and, and not have all my weight on my front end. It's just kind of masking the issue. Right. And I'm not after it for speed and perfection. You have to address your priorities here, especially with a green horse. All you're doing is you're using the rollback to get the horse to understand when they hear that cue, they need to be thinking, go the other way, but they need to first engage that with their hindquarters. That's why you're not letting him lope off the other direction, which is another key here. Once you let him out of the spin, you head off the opposite direction, but you're not letting them head off. You're not releasing that pressure until they rock back on their hind end. Now, I'm going to make sure that shoulder keeps moving. I want them to step around, but it's not about being aggressive there, which is a lot, which is the big problem with like using a backup is because the horse associates the cue with a negative effect. And then they become more worried about the repercussions when they fail and they don't have, so they're not able to concentrate on what you're trying to teach them. It's a very low key way to introduce that stop and you get the front end broke loose and moving as it steps around but at the same time you teach that horse when they hear that cue they need to rock back on that hind end and think go the other way yeah and you're not allowing them to then dump everything and this is a great way even to if you're not even worried about a stop it's a great way to fix a rollback with a horse that just dumps everything to the inside and and zips off the other way get them to stand back up rock back on their hind end, teach them how to use themselves in that rollback, and then go the other way. And depending on the horse's ability, you know, usually you can just start off with that and you can and you can just use that exercise. Obviously if the horse knows how to turn around to a decent rate. You can't just go out there and say, all right, we're working on a stop today and <laughs> ah, heck with spins, we'll learn it as we go. No, that's not practical. If the horse has some idea of how to turn around, especially with their head bent around um, you can go ahead and, and do this exercise and just in the process of doing it, the horse may not have any idea of what the woe means, but with repetition, he'll understand if you are just patient and you're relaxed about it and you just let that turnaround be the correction and, and teach the horse for you. A lot of people, they get too aggressive and they, well, the horse isn't getting it after a few times. They start jerking him around in the fence yeah. and kicking on him. You got to let the process just take effect and let that work on the horse now, at the same time, a lot of people say, well, you need to, you need to say, whoa, and just stop him next to the fence, a fur, a, a fur, um, if I can get this word out, a few times first. Thank you. Um, and to that, I'll say as a general rule, you don't need to go that extra step because within a few repetitions, the horse connects it, what you're doing that, okay, I get this. And they start to engage for you. A horse is really bad. Only on several occasions have we ever had to just say, whoa, and physically tip the horse's nose into the fence and use a little bit of outside rein to stop him from turning and make him actually stop next to the fence and show him. 
and then go into the turnaround and then go the other way. But that's on a rare occasion or a horse that has some really bad habits about just ducking out from underneath of you. But it's a great way to introduce it slowly and in a controlled way. And you're, and you're teaching the horse how to stop using all the correct mechanics. When they hear the cue, it needs to associate with their hind end. And so you're rocking them back on their hind end. You're turning them around so that front end is engaged. You're not releasing that pressure until they've rocked back on their hind end. And then you go the opposite way. Once they've gotten soft through their body, rocked back on their hindquarters, they're moving their shoulder. So you're working on all the foundation pieces and you're teaching them how the mechanics of the stop in a very controlled way. Yeah, and I want to make that my final point of emphasis here is that we're keeping everything relaxed but effective. You know, we're putting we're taking a hold of the horse and putting him in enough of a bind that we're challenging him to figure out the mechanics of the stop, how to effectively balance himself and where his what his feet need to be doing, where his feet needs to go. But what we're not doing is just ripping him around and hauling him around aggressively as a punishment. But we're not being Wilbur Milktoasts about it and just kind of easing him around either. We want a balance between relaxed and effective. Yes, and just to cap it off, it's important that we make note too, you need to find a starting point of assessing your horse's try. So once they they give you some sort of a try, some semblance of a stop, that you acknowledge that, let the horse sit there, reward him for 10-15 seconds, and then you can continue practicing it again. But you need to find a starting point, and when the horse does try for you, acknowledge it, let him sit there, let him relax, let him digest that, and then you can turn him in the fence, turn him around gently, and go back and continue practicing. Thank you guys for all your support on the Project Tours podcast and the Lundahl Performance Facebook page. If you haven't already, please subscribe and message us with suggestions or topics you'd like us to cover on the show. It makes a big difference in the quality of content we're able to create for you. Thank you for listening and being a part of this growing community.